The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. Uh, We are coming to you here Wednesday afternoon. Uh, about 18 hours after Memphis beats Bradley for its fifth win in a row. Uh, we're coming off also just an encur- really encouraging week for this team or two-week stretch for this team after beating Ole Miss and NC State without James Wiseman, without Lester Quinones. I'm Mark Giannato, the CA Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, we'll get into all of that, where this team is now after – uh, this nice little stretch. Uh, we'll get into uh, what's happening, what happened last night against Bradley. We'll look ahead to UAB. Maybe have a little Alex Lomax appreciation moment. Uh, but uh, we'll start here, Jason. What what are, what have you learned about this team now that we've seen them for a, few, a couple games without both Lester and James and a few games without James. Like what, what have you learned during this winning streak about this Memphis team? Well, I think what has stood out to me and I kind of, uh, I don't know if I phrased my question the right way in the post game press conference with, with Penny Hardaway last night, but you know, they've won five games in a row. They're seven and one. Um, they seem to be pretty inconsistent or, or, a lot of the guys seem to be you know, pretty inconsistent. We've seen DJ play really, really well. We've seen him not produce as much. We've seen Precious Achua play really, really well. And then we we saw last night he only scored six points and on, on like three of 13 shooting. Um, but he had, what, 14, 13, 14 rebounds, uh, five blocks, both career highs. Um, and, and I guess what I'm saying is they, it's been up and down pretty much across the board. I guess outside with the exception of Alex Lomax, but they're still winning. And that, that to me speaks volumes. I mean, you know, I I don't care how you win as long as you win. Um, Now there, I'm sure there are certain things you can, you can, uh, you know, dig for and and mine uh, out of these games that uh, you might find, you might be able to say, well, you know, if if they don't clean this up, then things are going to be, Things are going to be tough for them against, say, Tennessee or Wichita State, uh, teams like that. But, again, they've been relatively inconsistent, and they're still winning. And so I think that's that seems to me to be a mark of a pretty good team. I mean, a pretty talented team, if nothing else. Yeah, that's what I, I've, I've been impressed with their ability to um, – like the, the Ole Miss and NC State games – you know the Ole Miss game, the beat the the last ten minutes of the first half and the first ten minutes of the second half, they looked awesome. Then NC State, the first twenty minutes, they looked awesome, unbeatable. I mean, yeah. And and in both games, they built up these big leads and then lost them, and that's pretty typical for a team that's relying on how many young guys they are. But what was so impressive is in the closing four minutes of both those games. This group came together, showed poise, made made the plays they needed to down the stretch. And I think that's going to really serve them well come February and March when they have James Wiseman and Lester Quinones back. And it's just 
you can see they have there's a resolve there. There's a yeah. grit there. Even though we saw again against Bradley, they really struggled with some of the dirty work, if you will. The rebounding wasn't there. The 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 hustle plays weren't necessarily there. But even but if you look beyond that, just their resolve shows a level of grit that you can't necessarily teach. It yeah. can be developed over time, but it's really encouraging that you can already see the foundation of a team that when you get to February and March has some of the intangibles you need to close out close games. They can be scrappy and they can also beat the brakes off of you. If they're if they're clicking, they can they can I mean look what they yes. did in the first half against NC State. Yes. I mean that was not even close. Now I will say you need to see more of that. Right now we're just seeing flashes of it. And again, it, it that's without like. Wiseman and, yes. and Lester Quinones. No, and like the rebounding, I think you you have the luxury of yes, they're struggling rebounding the ball, but they also have a seven foot one insurance policy coming back on January twelfth. Seven games, I believe it is left, or eight games, seven or eight. I think something it's like that. seven. I think it's seven. So But January ninth is gonna be the last time yeah. they take the floor without him. Yes. And so it's been, and I think part of that resolve has been it, where it's shown up. Honestly, what's what's been really refreshing is Alex Lomax first and foremost, and also Tyler Harris. Both those guys, Very much so, yeah, two sophomores who are considered veterans on this team, even though in reality they're not really veterans. Alex Lomax has only started eleven games in his Memphis career. I mean that that's it well, seems he like just, he's, he just looks he looks he looks totally different than a year ago they always say the saying with coaches is guys make their biggest leap between year one and year two and he's made a giant leap yeah um he looks far more confident he is the best point guard on the team right now for sure most dependable Hands certainly down. yeah um no miss game he made tons of plays down the stretch the nc state game he was good and if they were I mean, last night against Bradley, when their offense was doing nothing, he was the guy who did the scoring, scored seventeen points. Yep. Um, but in the first half, when it was especially bad, he had ten points, and he had si- I think six of their last eight going into halftime. Yeah, he's got this nice pull-up jumper now, he mid-range does. pull-up jumper that he's hitting cons- fairly consistently. I mean, he had he's a tough going to the basket. Yeah, um, if he just becomes a slightly better three-point shooter over the course of his career. He's going to be just a phenomenal college player. I agree. Yeah. I mean and and you know, you look at the way he played last night and I don't I think he had no assists last night, but that's not on him. I mean, I think he ended up with two. Two assists. Right? I mean, he Maybe. had seven against uh, seven against NC State. He had a couple great passes that's what that I'm the saying. guys just didn't finish off the play. That's what I'm saying. If they shot even a little better than the way they, you know, the way they did last night. Then he's got a handful of assists again, and and we're talking even better about him. So, um, yeah, no, he's been the straw that stirs the drink so far. I mean, he's he's what well, I've been impressed with Tyler too. He's honestly like him. Boogie has come on here of late. He has, and Ty, Boogie and Tyler are the only guys really hitting outside shots. That's right. consistently. I guess a little bit alo. But it, it, those and we, and, we, and we got a Lance Thomas three last night. Let's not we did. Uh, ignore but those, that. But those bigs <laughs> have been very disappointing overall. Lance played well against NC State. I was encouraged. Yep. But you saw at the beginning of the second half, Penny started Malcolm Dandridge because like Isaiah Maurice has given him nothing. Like personally, it's fine right now that Penny's playing so many guys. To me, what like if 
you've got UAB this weekend and then Tennessee and then I think you play Jackson State and yep. New Orleans and then UNO yeah I, th- I think I think as soon as uh, you, Malcolm proves he's a hundred percent or like even ninety percent, you know, somewhere north of ninety percent, then Isaiah Maurice, you're going to start seeing less and less of him. I, I mean, for now, Malcolm mm-hmm. Dandridge is still. I just think Penny needs to shorten the rotation. I think guys need to play more. Like I don't, I, I don't think Jaden Hardaway should be playing other than in a rare circumstance where someone's zoning you up and you really need a three point shooter. Do I think you, he's too much of a liability defensively. Um, right now, yeah, and and I just think it's not that he's bad. I just think you have so many guys. You can't play eleven guys. It's just too many. Do you think that maybe there's part of the the line of thinking is these guys are brand spank? They're they're freshmen, and maybe you don't want to overload them too much too soon. Or I yeah, mean, but I think we're. T- I think one of the things you wanted you need to develop. A, co- a, a, oh, a, a rotation yeah. that these guys know what's going to happen on a game to game basis, right? And a rotation that will allow them to build like really rapport, good chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. And and I just think they're playing too many guys at times to do that right now. And and too many and too many different combinations. I mean, we saw yes. last night an- now, another new combination for the very first time, and we're eight games in. Now, to be fair, this is sort of what Penny did last year. He he, he kind of rotated a lot of different lineups, even starting lineups, until conference season got here, and he kind of went with a much more consistent look. And as long as you're winning, who cares, really? I mean, right? Am I wrong? I mean, if you're winning... No, yeah, absolutely. You're No, you're, no that's what I'm saying. Like, it's fine for right now, but yeah. like against Tennessee, like... I think you need to shorten the rotation. I would agree. Um, and you know, when you get into conference play, I think you need to shorten the rotation a little bit. Yep. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's got. I mean, that's the other thing about this is he's got time. I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about UAB this weekend, which is not as good as. Now they played Texas tough last night. I was actually just talking to Rob Eason, their head coach. I know him from. A long time. Way back. He was an assistant coach at Maryland way back when. And um it's they they just recently kicked off their best play their best player off the team. Um I'm trying to think what his name is. For what did he say why? Um I would I I'll just say disciplinary reasons. There you go. Let's okay. go with that. Um best player I, guard, post post guy, what who's it? Give me a sec. I gotta <laughs> I gotta figure out who it is. When did he do it? When when was he recently? Off? A couple games ago. Okay, um, so they've played a couple games without him. Yes, including the the, the narrow loss to Texas. Yes, it was uh, it was November eighteenth was when it was announced. Um, Zach Bryant, Zach Bryant is his name. He Senior. Was, um, yeah, it was it, it, the official reasoning was conduct detrimental to the team is how it was phrased in their release, and uh, which is like. He was their best totally player a year. Selfish. He was their best player a year ago. Um, Zach Bryant was, okay. um, but yeah, it, it was three games into the year, and so um, yeah, he led them in scoring last year, and he was second in scoring. Oh no, la- last year he led them in scoring, and so um, he was he was on the All Conference USA preseason team, and they don't have him anymore. But oh, without wow. him, they. Um, you know they they lost to Kentucky by eleven on the road on tw- on November their last two games they lost to Kentucky by eleven on the road and then last night they lost to Texas by ten. Okay, so, so this could be a 
this the Memphis is going to have to play. They cannot play poorly and just expect to win on the road. Right. They should obviously they should win the game. I think Ken Palm gives them a seventy three percent chance of winning this game, but it's probably UAB's biggest home game of the year. Yeah. Um, although but, it's just like this game is during the AAC conference championship game for football with Memphis. It's also during the conference USA championship game for football for which UAB. Is UAB yeah, although UAB's game is not in Memphis. It's in, or it's not it's in not Birmingham. Birmingham. It's, it's in Boca Raton. Boca Raton. Yeah. So, but the point I was trying to make is that, you know, you've got UAB, you've got, as you mentioned, Jackson state, UNO, uh, Tulane, um, you know, Georgia, you've got some teams still left on the schedule that, that it doesn't hurt to, to do some experimentation, uh, with the lineup and, and kind of seeing how guys respond in certain situations. I mean, you, you've, you've got room to do that. Um, but no, I agree with you against teams like Tennessee and teams like Wichita state. You, you're not going to be able to, you're not gonna be able to afford to do that. Yeah, no. And it's, it, it'll be, you know, like if you look at Memphis right now, they're playing I mean, until last night. They were playing at a at a very good tempo. They're still top ten in the country in tempo, uh, temp, adjusted tempo in Kempom. They're thirty seventh in offensive efficiency, fifty first in defensive efficiency. They are tenth in effective field goal percentage defense. So they're holding teams to low percentages, and I. Yeah, like, <laughs> the Bradley game helped with that. I mean, like twenty seven percent or something. Twenty six point eight percent. Yes, yeah. and uh, it was two two of twenty four or two of twenty three. This Just was the stat trace. I thought was the best stat of the night. I had it in my column. Memphis attempted one more shot than than Bradley missed. Like Memphis attempted sixty one shots. Bradley missed sixty shots in that game. <laughs> let that, let that sink in. That's that's <laughs> and now that's a product of twenty three offensive rebounds and yeah. that guy. What was his name? Elijah. Elijah Childs. I Elijah Childs looked like Dennis Rodman out there. Twenty one you know, points, like, fourteen rebounds. Yeah, and but a lot of that was late. You know, I mean, he he was really piling up the the points and stuff late when yeah. when Penny Hardaway admitted that they kind of took their foot off the gas. But you know, but as it, young players, if you look at Kempom. The areas where they really struggle right now are turnover percentage. They're 161st in the country, so they're turning the ball over a lot, a, 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 quite a bit. Um, they're, you know, especially compared they're, to it's about the national average. They're averaging it's like 19.3 percent of their possessions end in turnovers. The national average is 19.7, so they're a little okay. below it, but still, that's a lot. Yeah, especially um, considering for a good team. Yeah, especially considering that, but it makes sense with. If you look at their roster and how young and how young their guards are, I mean, yeah. like, we're talking about Alo and Tyler as if they're like grizzled vets. These guys That's are right. like nineteen, twenty year old sophomores. Yeah. So, and then obviously the offensive rebounding, they are two hundred thirty third in the country in offensive rebounding percentage in terms of giving up offensive rebounds. They're forty first at getting offensive rebounds, so they're good at hitting the offensive glass on their end. They're but, just not good at boxing out. Yeah, right I mean, now. I don't. I don't remember exactly what the what the discrepancy was for uh, offensive rebounding wise, um, but like Bradley had, it felt like fifty offensive rebounds last night. And then if you go through this more, if you look at their their stats closely, they are good at getting to the foul line. They get to the foul line quite a bit. They're seventh in the country in terms of 
uh, free throw attempts over divided by field goal attempts. It's like a, a the ratio at which you're getting to the free throw line. But they also are fouling a lot, and teams are getting to the free throw line against them quite right. a bit. Um, which, which is that's another thing. The young, the the youth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're they're kind of playing out of control a lot of times, and so you know, yeah. And then and then they're also outside the top two hundred in free throw percentage. They're not a great free throw shooting that's team right. thus far, um, and they're not a great three point shooting team thus far. Last night they were thirty ninth. In the in the Ken Palm rating, has that changed? They are, I believe, still thirty nine. As a they team, stayed they stayed steady there. Okay. Um, Do you then, remember how that compares to what to about this time last year? I mean, oh, they're definitely higher right now, but it's because they st- the, cause they started. The, the problem with the overall Ken Palm rating this early in the year is that um, because it's a metric based on. It's a predictive metric based on the statistics. It really doesn't get super accurate until next month. It needs there needs to be a little more a bigger sample size, more sample size. Um, and but it's also predicated on where they start. Like this year, they started at High. fifty, whereas last year they started, I think, at like seventy or something like okay. that. You know, they started higher, and then like the year before that, in Tubby's last year, they started like in the low one hundreds. You know, and right. so especially if you're unless you're having this a marvelous year, where you start also, especially early on when there's not the big sample size can affect where you are ranked because some of it still is not some of this is still not based on what um what they've done this year because the sample size isn't big enough it's also still partly based on what they they were predicted to be because of what they returned and obviously Memphis is kind of an anomaly in that they returned very little but brought in this right. heralded you know, heralded freshman class, even though they weren't like a great team. Usually when a team brings in a great freshman class, they were a great team the year before. One last thing I wanted to touch on before we uh, before we hit stop on this uh, recording. By the way, they're 353 in the country in experience used. Like, Which is dead last. Is it dead last? That's dead last. Yeah, so they are the youngest team. According to Ken Palm, they are the youngest team in the country. Yep. <laughs> and they're 7-1 and and with wins over Ole Miss and NC State yep. and uh, without two starters. And their only That's loss. pretty remarkable yeah. when you think about their it. Their only loss is to a pretty darn good Oregon team on, you know, way across the country. So, yeah. uh, but, but one thing I wanted to, you know, we've, we've been talking about James Wiseman and, and Lester Quinones uh, and the Tigers having to play without them. Penny Hardaway did not sound very optimistic about Boogie Ellis and, about, I mean, to, oh, f- to fill you uh, in. Oh, do you think it's more serious? That fall he took at the end of the game, have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything, but, I mean, I th- that's that's one of those things that, like, it, it's almost like an ankle. Like, it never truly goes away without a significant amount of rest. That's the impression I get. Eh, it um, looked like a bruise to me. He was he had an ice so. pack on his back. He did the press conference after the game. Yeah, but he looked pretty uncomfortable. Like, he was, he was like, grimacing at a couple of points, I noticed. Yeah. And uh, so be fine. Yeah, but he, I mean. Alo said they need to toughen up after the game. This is a perfect <laughs> example. Yeah, this, right, this, right there. <laughs> Walk it off. Well, he did. I mean, yeah. that was... That you know, was, he did. He was. He didn't leave the game. He trotted three-quarters of the way down the court after mm-hmm. he uh, after he got up. The, the other thing we should mention, so last night it was revealed that the NCAA 
has denied uh, Isaiah Stokes's transfer waiver request. And so the, I believe Memphis is going to appeal it, but as we saw with the James Wiseman appeal, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Yeah, and, and I know everybody's kind of in that mode right now that, that you know, everything the NCAA does is against Memphis, but in, 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 and maybe there's a, a point in the, in the Isaiah Stokes case, but as, as I know you agree with this, it's not like the worst thing in the world. I mean, Oh, I actually think for the program, it's better that he's sitting out this year. Yeah. They, he was not going to play with, especially once Wiseman gets back, he was not going to play very much this year. Exactly. Like, he was going to play. He like, he was going to get like, Either whatever minutes it was either going to be him or Malcolm are going to get like ten minutes a game at most, and like I'd rather have him two full years, especially because your recruiting is a little uncertain in twenty twenty. I'd rather have him have two years of eligibility going into next year rather than using one this year when he's not going to be used very much. Whereas I could see him having a much bigger role on next year's team. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess the argument... Obviously, they felt he could help. They, they wouldn't be going for this waiver request if they didn't think so. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, that's just... My, my personal opinion is it'd be great to have him this year, but I don't think it's really the bad thing that he's not going to be available this year. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, right, he's already used his redshirt year, so it's like this is a burned year. He doesn't get this year back, right? He's already used his redshirt, so... That's true. So that's I mean, true. he's a redshirt sophomore technically, so he will have two years left. He'll be a redshirt junior. I guess that's a good point. So he would have had he would have st- no matter what he would have had two years of eligibility after, after this, this year. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Then I, I I didn't even think about that. So darn NCAA. Right, but again, you're you're taking valuable minutes away from from other people, and 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 he's going to be shortchanged as opposed to how he's going to be used next year potentially. Well, and yeah, well, the key thing with that is. And who knows if uh, I? Here's what I would say: if if you asked Penny, this is what happened, and if you asked Isaiah uh, Stokes, this is what happened. When Kerry Blackshear got it, tra- grad transferred to Florida, Florida basically said, "You should probably le- you need you know we need this scholarship. You need to leave." That that's what Penny and Isaiah Stokes I think would say, and Penny has said Florida was working with them on this. And so, which would suggest, why did the NCAA do this? I would say, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. My thinking is the NCAA is probably looking at it as the question in the question that they had to determine in this ruling. From what I sense, is did he leave because he was forced out, or did he leave because he wasn't going to get to play very much because Kerry Blackshear got there? Right. And now, and. The fact that Florida was working with Memphis on this, if to me, if Florida said they forced him, you know, like basically, you know, he wasn't going to have a scholarship, I don't understand how the NCAA could deny this. And so, but we're only like, I haven't talked to Mike White. Right. We're hearing what Penny has said yeah. about the situation. And I would just say it was, it's, it's in Penny's best interest to present this publicly in the most advantageous way for him. For sure. And so we don't know what exactly the NCAA ruled on. And that's the problem with these transfer waiver requests. There's no transparency and there's no consistency in them. Yeah. And that's what I think people get upset about. And Penny's not the only coach in the country who does not like how this process 
plays out on a on a regular basis. Yeah. So um, it's frustrating, but also not the end of the world. Yeah. So all right, wrapping this up. Uh, UAB is Saturday at four thirty mm-hmm. at Bartow Arena in Birmingham. Hopefully, I, I'm going to be honest. It'll be interesting to see if this series continues in this manner, a home and home series. I don't, my this got agreed to. They played the home and home. It was under Tubby. They did a home and home, and then right at the end of Tubby's tenure is when they negotiated this home and home. And my gut says if Penny had been the coach, because it got announced right after Penny got named, but obviously when it gets announced that quickly after Penny got named the coach, it was in the works for a while. Um, and I know these are traditional rivals and the, and the Gene Bartow connection is, is and the Larry there's history there and Larry Finch, but I don't really see how it serves Memphis to be wasting one. You know, we we've talked about in the past, they only have a certain amount of home games at Fed. They have a certain amount of home games that they have to fulfill at FedEx Forum, which limits how many home and home series they can do. And I'm not sure it serves Memphis's best interest to be playing home and home series with UAB. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd, you're... Yeah, I'd rather have a better. I mean, I'd rather have a Power Five. Team. Yeah. I know there's no Power Five in basketball, but that type of team. Um, and if UAB want, if they want to keep the UAB game, it could be a buy game or something like that. Because I do think it's nice to have games like this that are in like the hundreds to one fifty in Ken Palm, like the Bradley game. Yep. Um, you don't want to be playing. You you don't want all your buy games to be Jackson State and New Orleans and teams like no. that. You want you want these. <laughs> yeah. This will help you down. Yeah, these will help your computer numbers, if you will, winning yeah. games like this. Yeah. So um, we'll see if this is. the I'll be curious. Maybe you can ask Penny after the game. Or maybe we'll ask him before the game, like whether he foresees this series continuing in the future. Yeah, um, because yeah, the, be... these are two traditional rivals, even though the rivalry has kind of dimmed yeah. since they aren't in the same conference anymore. And then the big one next week. Yeah. Well, we'll get into Tennessee next week. I I got something for you, Rick Barnes. <laughs> for those who this is an audio medium. But Mark just balled up his fist. I balled up my fist. When he there, said were, that, there were legit bald fists. There was a bald fist. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to make sure that uh, everybody knew that for posterity's sake. All right, well, till next week, uh, make sure you check out commercialappeal.com, by the way. Jason's got tons of great coverage. I got a column up there from the Bradley game. Um, but till next time, I was Mark. That was Jason. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. The Tiger Basketball Podcast can be found each week during the regular season at CommercialAppeal.com. You can also subscribe for free to the Tiger Basketball Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.